ESPN 90. The Drive. The Drive with Paul Swan. Good afternoon and welcome to The Drive with Paul Swan. I'm not Paul Swan. Paul is not with us today. I'm Bill Cornwell filling in and welcome to The Drive on this Wednesday, the 2nd of May, 2018. Lovely day in downtown Huntington. Sunny skies, a few puppy clouds out there, but temperatures in the 80s almost feels like summer. And uh, got a kind of a summer feel because uh, got a lot to talk about today and uh, we're going to start off uh, with uh, some interesting news out of the, the Marshall basketball um, uh, situation. And, um, of course, uh, this is a situation where with Marshall winning in the uh, NCAA tournament and uh, winning the Conference USA championship this year, uh, this is a good time to be a Marshall basketball fan. And uh, there's a lot of excitement around the program, a lot of high expectations for next year, especially if uh, C.J. Burks and uh, John Elmore uh, decide, as most hope they do, to come back and play their senior seasons to lead the herd, uh, well, yeah, they're going to be playing uh, with uh, a new toy next year, so to speak, at the Henderson Center. As um, Marshall announced today that uh, the university and IMG uh, College is investing in a $1 million new scoreboard video system for the Henderson Center which will obviously be used for basketball and volleyball games. Now, the uh, the old video board that they use down in the east end of the arena is uh, certainly not high definition. It's pretty low tech when you think about what we have available today compared to the video system over at Jones C. Edwards Stadium. Sometimes it was kind of hard to see uh, uh, some of the video. Well, this will not be a problem because uh, – Marshall and IMG College announcing today this installation of a million-dollar, state-of-the-art, Dactronics center-hung video board and basket stanchion displays in the Cam Henderson Center for the 2018-19 season. Of course, the men's basketball program posting an unprecedented 2017-18 campaign that snapped the Thundering Herd's 31-year NCAA tournament drought in a big way defeating Wichita State 81-75 in first-round action. Of course, that came after Marshall captured the 2018 Conference USA Tournament title down in Frisco, Texas. Quote from uh, Marshall Athletics Director Mike Hambrick. Uh, He says, this is another significant step in the continuing effort to upgrade the Henderson Center. This is an exciting development for our basketball and our volleyball programs and one that everyone in the Henderson Center and the Hurd family richly deserves. So that's something you can look forward to next season. You're going to have better video. You're going to have higher quality video, higher definition video. You're going to have a state-of-the-art scoreboard. And um, this will, again, not only be for basketball, but for volleyball as well. And, of course, Marshall has a lot more toys now to play with than the video in because – of course, Marshall, like all Conference USA schools, is invested in new uh, video equipment, a video control room in the Henderson Center that um, provides the uh, uh, herd vision uh, live broadcast of athletic events, be it basketball or football or softball or baseball. 
that's all controlled there in the Henderson Center. There's new cameras, there's new video equipment, new audio equipment, uh, a lot of bells and whistles that uh, are very high tech. And this will go along with this brand new video board and scoreboard in the Cam Henderson Center coming up this season. So that's great news coming out of the uh, Marshall Athletic Department front and uh, something to look forward to. It just uh, make you just a little bit more exciting for uh, Marshall basketball in uh, 2018-2019. Marshall's softball team is in action this afternoon down at the University of Louisville taking on the Cardinals. Cardinals is a pretty good team in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And a wild game going on right now. Marshall trailing Louisville in the last inning by a score of 13-10. to uh, Marshall scored nine runs in the fifth inning, and uh, they uh, took a lead. And then in the fifth inning, Louisville scored seven to take that 13-10 lead, and that 13-10 lead is holding as they are in the last inning of that contest down at the University of Louisville. Uh, Marshall softball uh, is uh, wrapping up their non-conference schedule with this game today. This is the last non-conference game. Now, Marshall will be home this weekend with a uh, league series against the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders at Dot Hicks Field. A little bit of news on the the Marshall football front. Of course, um, uh, a lot of folks were a little bit disappointed maybe that uh, the Herd didn't get anyone uh, drafted in the NFL draft last Thursday, Friday, or Saturday. Of course, there was a lot of hopes that maybe Chase uh, Litton might get a shot. Well, Chase is going to get a shot with the Kansas City Chiefs as a free agent. Of course, Marshall had four free agents signed, and they could have five. That is, if Ryan Juracek does well. Ryan Juracek is going to be trying out this weekend with the Cleveland Browns, he and several others. Uh, you might want to call it a cattle call almost. It's almost like a, a, a staging call for a show. Uh, but uh, Ryan is going to be one of several guys competing for a camp spot, basically. Uh, no promises of a, of a contract. Uh, just basically he would be yet another free agent, but he's having to fight just to get that free agent status. And that's going to be coming up this weekend up in Berea, Ohio, the Cleveland Browns training facility and headquarters. And Ryan is just going to be trying to improve – uh, Hugh Jackson and the coaching staff, the front office people with Cleveland Browns. Of course, Ryan, uh, despite unbelievable numbers at Marshall in his career, big touchdown maker, clutch catch guy, uh, was just uh, for some reason just didn't uh, catch the attention of the NFL, uh, at least for drafting purposes. Uh, so this is going to be his opportunity, maybe his one and only, and he's worked hard in the offseason to get this, so this is going to be a big weekend, and hopefully things go for Ryan because you talk about just a, a solid individual, class individual, that's Ryan Juracek. And, um, you certainly hope that uh, things do uh, go well for him, but um, this is going to be his shot, going to be his chance. No update yet on the uh, the Marshall softball uh, game. Again, it's 13-10 to in the last inning. Marshall trying to make a comeback against the University of Louisville. It's been a wild game down there this afternoon. Uh, coming up on our show today, we're going to kind of be all over the place uh, because coming up in a few moments, we're going to uh, have uh, Matt Geica on. Now, Matt Geica has been on with Paul a few other times, uh, talking a little bit about uh, the uh, – 
the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. And, of course, uh, Matt kind of concentrates on covering the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. And the Penguins uh, uh, lost a toughie last night to the Washington Capitals, but there was a little bit of controversies in that game. And we'll talk to Matt about that. And we're going to we'll kind of touch on all of the um, hockey activity. And also, a little bit later on, we'll talk about the new uh, basketball coach at Huntington High School. He was hired last night. Also, a little bit of news on the West Virginia basketball front. Uh, someone's back, someone's not back, at least right now, for the Mountaineers. And then we'll wrap it up with uh, some NBA and some baseball talk. Of course, we'll have uh, Pittsburgh Pirates action this evening. The Pirates 705 will be taking on the Washington Nationals in D.C. We'll have the game right here on uh, on ESPN 94.1 AM 930. Tonight's uh, pitching matchup, Ivan Nova will be on the bump for the Pirates, taking on Steven Strasburg for the Washington Nationals. Uh, games earlier today, uh, Boston beat Kansas City by a score of 5-4. to four. Much needed win for the Cleveland Indians, Corey Kluber on the mound, and the Tribe beats Texas by a score of 12-4. to four. Minnesota shut out Toronto 4 nothing, and it was the Cardinals beating the Chicago White Sox by a score of 3-2 afternoon baseball. Four games uh, let you know about. Uh, some games still going on right now. Tampa Bay, Detroit, Colorado, Chicago Cubs, San Francisco, and San Diego. Coming up later besides that Pirates game, the Reds home uh, down at Great American Ballpark taking on the Milwaukee Brewers. Wade Miley pitching for the Brewers taking on Luis Castillo for the Cincinnati Reds. Time for our break. We'll be back uh, in just a few moments. Matt Geica, uh, writer, talking about the Stanley Cup playoffs, Pittsburgh Penguins, and much more. A little hockey talk coming up on The Drive right here. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Bill Cornwell in for Paul Swan today on The Drive. And uh, time to talk a little bit of hockey. It, of course, is the Stanley Cup playoffs. We are in the second round of the playoffs. And uh, a couple of games coming up tonight. Tampa Bay is at Boston. That series tied up at a game apiece. And the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights are at San Jose. And the Golden Knights in a good opportunity here. If they can get a win tonight in San Jose, they could take a 3-1 Series lead, but we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on up in Pittsburgh right now. With us is Matt Geica. Good afternoon, Matt. Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, we're doing great, uh, Matt. Uh, talk a little about about uh, the the Penguins. Obviously, boy, a tough one uh, last night as uh, they lose to Washington four to three, and uh, on the home ice there at uh, in uh, Pittsburgh, uh, Capitals lead two one, and this for some reason just watching the game last night, Mike, just looked like. Washington just, just seemed to have just a little bit more jump than, than the Penguins. Well, the Penguins helped that in the third period. Uh, I would say the first two periods were pretty even. The Penguins had the better of it in the second. But last night was as heartbreaking of a loss as you can get at this stage of the playoffs. Now, it's not to get eliminated. It's not to even get to the verge of elimination. But to fall behind two games to one, to lose on home ice, to uh, lose a pretty promising rookie winger in Zach Aston Reese to a broken jaw and a concussion, from a questionable hit by Capitals winger Tom Wilson, who some would argue should have been suspended for <laughs> last night's game, and then to give up a goal in the last, what, minute six seconds. 
to Alex Ovechkin on a two-on-one. Um, it, it was a lot of um, a lot of events coming together that made it particularly distasteful for not just the Penguins, but obviously the the fans in the house and the fans watching around the country. Yeah, let's, let's tell you what this uh, situation with Tom Wilson from the Capitals really tough uh, for the Penguins to take because uh, you, know, you talk about them losing. Um, uh, Aston Reese last night, and of course he had a high hit with Brian Dumoulin in Game Two in Washington, and then of course the the Penguins thought maybe uh, some kind of a action was uh, should have been taken there. League didn't agree, and they said it was not an illegal check, and uh, they said, Mr. Wilson, you can keep on playing. So uh, uh, there, there's a lot of not a lot of happy campers certainly in the Penguins camp today, no doubt, Matt. Yeah, no doubt about it. And in game two, the hit you're alluding to on Brian Dumoulin, the Penguins defenseman, that one I could understand why there was no suspension because Dumoulin all of a sudden stopped because he was about to get hit by Ovechkin. And so Wilson was roaring from the backside there and didn't have the best opportunity to adjust his uh, his trajectory or his posture, if you will. But last night, that's just a clear case of, uh, of being a predator on the ice, if you will, not a Nashville predator. Um, <laughs> with what Wilson did, he was he was chasing down Aston Reese, and, and maybe Aston Reese held onto the puck a little too long. Maybe he overstick handled or was too deliberate there. But um, Wilson was tracking him for several steps and then launched himself upward at the point of contact. And we could debate whether he hit Aston Reese's shoulder first or his head first. I think it's really close and tough to tell, even on the slowest of slow motion replays or still frames. But to see Wilson go tumbling into his own bench after the hit, that tells you uh, where his intentions were, was to hit Aston Reese up high. It was to hurt him, in my opinion. And I think um, I think most, if you would look at that, would agree with me there. And uh, it, was a, it was a targeted type of a play. And Aston Reese even braced himself for impact. And for him to break his jaw and suffer a concussion on that type of a hit, I don't care where you are on the ice or what you did before to put yourself in a vulnerable spot. You should not be suffering that kind of damage on a legal shoulder-to-shoulder yeah. check. So it seems like that the NHL is going to suspend Wilson for some amount of games. He's a repeat yeah. offender. He's been suspended before, and they had a hearing with him today. So yeah. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, he was supposed to meet with the Department of Player Safety today. And, of course, uh, Matt, the, the usual hockey uh, way of doing it, at least my, my experience following the NHL over the years, usually – the guy who is the offender will sit as long as the offendee has to sit out. And, you know, we'll see if the NHL uses that, uh, kind, of, that kind of shorthand once again. Well, you're right. They do look at injury quite a bit, the NHL does. And I've disputed that point over the years, ever since I've been a hockey fan. It never made that much sense to me. I feel like you should punish the act and not the result. Why should a, a terrible act go unpunished if a player just happened to get lucky and didn't get hurt um, on on, a, on an illegal hit? So that was always my contention there. But I think it was some strategy for the Penguins last night. Mike Sullivan doesn't give out injury information very easily, and he just volunteered it last night after the game. Um, sitting there in the press conference at PPG Paint Arena, I was black-jawed because he brought up that it was a broken jaw and a concussion. So I think that's the yep. message sent to the league, in addition to Sullivan outright saying, we hope the league does something about this at some point. That's not typical Mike Sullivan talk. He just wants to talk about the game and how the team can stay focused on what it can control. This was a little bit of lobbying, or a lot of lobbying, I suppose, if you look at his past history. So the Penguins are serious about this, and maybe that did help uh, the league take it more seriously and take it as um, a possible suspendable offense. 
Of course, game four comes up tomorrow night in Pittsburgh at 7 o'clock, and uh, key one there for Pittsburgh. Uh, the, the other game last night, Matt, uh, uh, up in uh, Manitoba, Winnipeg, did a number on the Nashville Predators by a score of 7-4. And coming into the playoffs, so many people were just were almost uh, uh, to a to a man were just convinced that Nashville just might be the, the one to win the cup this year. But they are struggling with Winnipeg down 2-1 now in this series. Yeah, I would have picked Nashville to go at least to the West Final, if not all the way to the Stanley Cup Final, if they didn't have to go through Winnipeg with the way that these playoffs are set up. And I've discussed a few times when uh, he's been on the show and, and has had me on. The, the divisional setup is different. I still don't know if I quite like it. It's been six years now. Maybe I should make an opinion at some point. But, <laughs> for instance, I love seeing the Penguins and the Capitals play. I think it's great theater, and we're seeing it for a third straight year when we didn't see it for uh, for seven years. There was a long gap when we thought we'd see Crosby and Ovechkin go head-to-head. And, and um, well, the renewal of an old rivalry from the late 80s and early 90s. But in this case, it seems unfair because I also like Winnipeg a lot. And I like them slightly more than I like Nashville, even though Nashville won the President's Trophy. It was close in the regular season. And Winnipeg, for me, has a little bit more high-end firepower, whether it be on their blue line like we saw last night uh, with a couple of goals for Dustin Bufflin or up front with Patrick Laine, who might be the next Ovechkin in terms of goal scoring. So uh, Nashville loved their depth, but... I don't know what it was. Maybe just I had to pick someone, so I took Nashville in this, or probably I took uh, Winnipeg in this series. Um, home ice is um, is valuable, obviously, yeah. and, and Winnipeg has stolen that back by getting a game in Nashville. And I thought it was going to go seven. I still believe in the Jets, but it's not going to be easy. And, and last night, what a game. Nashville taking a 3 nothing lead after one, Winnipeg getting four in the second. That's just great playoff hockey. It's it is. Fast, it's physical, it's skilled, it's... Uh, well, if you're like me, you like offense, so I tend to enjoy those types of games more than the other ones. Of course, they, they play tomorrow night at 9.30, and uh, this might be a case for Nashville. Pick Arena just may have to steal one for him because uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they uh, he's a guy that can step up at big times and has done so in the past, and uh, he just kind of may need to really um, show his um, his quality tomorrow night. Well, Rene is an interesting cat because over the years, he has a long NHL career into his mid-30s now, and goalies can play well into their mid-30s. It's a position that tends to hold up better in terms of level of performance. Just ask Henrik Lundqvist, who's still doing it now. Uh, but with Rene, he's had ups and downs in his career. One great year, one mediocre year, one great year, one bad year. And we even saw in the playoffs last year where – he wasn't at his best against the Penguins after being terrific for three rounds. And yeah, goalies can get hot, and that's the nature of the position. It's not all in your hands. Sometimes you just can't stop certain shots. It doesn't matter what you do as a goalie. So uh, you take that part of it with a little bit of a grain of salt, but there are certain goalies who are more consistent, and Rene has not been one of them. So maybe he's in a, a string of tough form. Um, I don't know. All I know is that Nashville could do a better job of, of protecting him uh, and uh, – Perhaps if they wanted to play a little more conservatively, they could. But the the issue is here, both teams are just going to let it all out because yeah. they're both naturally aggressive teams, coached by Peter Laviolette and Paul Maurice. It makes for great hockey. I don't know if uh, it makes for great goaltending. But, <laughs> hey, like I said, I like to see some goals yeah. go in. I think it helps get maybe non-hockey fans interested when you see uh, all that offense in one game like we saw last night. Well, tonight, doubleheader, uh, game one is at 7 o'clock at TD Garden Arena. And 
No doubt uh, Renee Rancourt will be out there doing the national anthem in Boston, <laughs> and uh, do, uh, maybe he'll have about 10 fist pumps tonight as the uh, Bruins host the Tampa Bay Lightning. Series tied one up, one game apiece. And uh, we'll just see, Matt, if uh, Boston, being at home, can uh, get this in, into their kind of game, uh, a really brass knuckles, hard-nosed game. That's what Boston likes to play and the way Bruce Cassidy likes to coach it. And uh, we'll just see if they can uh, get it going with their home fans going and getting behind them this evening. Tampa Bay got a much-needed win on Monday night on home ice after dropping game one. Yeah, Boston, to me, strikes me as the team that you don't want to play right now. And uh, as you alluded to, they can play it some different ways. Yeah, they have some young talent. Some, uh, some decent skating. I wouldn't call them the fastest team in the league, though, by any measure. Yeah. Tampa, they want to play a quick game. And in talking to some Penguins this year, I asked them a couple of times, asked a couple of different guys, in fact, who can match your speed? The Pens are known for being quick. And Tampa Bay was always the answer that I got back. So that's the type of game they want to play. It's not terribly different from, from Boston, and not that Boston can't win an up-tempo game, but I think they'd rather control it. They have some youngsters on the blue line, does Boston, so... Maybe they want to keep it a little more under control and not so wide open and not uh, make some of these younger players make all these high-stakes decisions in the open ice and keep it more structural. Uh, but Boston can score with the best of them. You've seen that top line. Yeah. It's right there with Crosby and Gensel and Hornquist as the best line in the playoffs. And I'm talking about Patrice Bergeron in the middle, Brad Marchand and David Pasternak on the wings. They've been as good as anybody. And uh, they can grind you a little bit. They can outskill you. So it's a tough matchup. And... Tuka Rask was not at his best in net for Game 2. I think that really opened the door for Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa's dangerous, though, as well. This second round, generally, just look around the league. All these matchups are great. We didn't really have any upsets in the first round, and that may have taken away from some of the intrigue for some people, but I loved it because I knew we'd see the heavyweights go at it here in, in round number two, and Boston-Tampa Bay is definitely one of those. As far as uh, this next game, of course, tonight uh, is Game 4, Vegas at San Jose. Uh, Golden Knights lead 2-1, and if you enjoy this series, I would go ahead and get the coffee started because it seems like <laughs> these two teams go to overtime. I mean, they've certainly had two straight uh, long games going into OT. So evenly matched. That was a huge win for Vegas, though, on Monday on San Jose's ice. Both of these Western series are so evenly matched. These two teams like to play a speed game. There's no clash of styles here with the Sharks and the Knights. The Knights might play the fastest game just in terms of, um, of moving the puck uh, that I've seen in the NHL. So full uh, kudos to Gerard Gallant, their coach, and George McPhee, their GM, for picking up some guys who can play that way. They've all bought in. Marc-Andre Fleury's pending goal like a, like a madman right now, made the save of the season perhaps on Logan Couture in overtime the other night. But this is another one that I see going six or seven. And um, what I've seen in the first three games has not disabused me of that notion. You've said it two overtimes there and uh, game two going to double OT. In fact, I thought the Knights were lucky to get to OT in game two. They weren't great early in that one after blowing out the Sharks in game one. I expect it to be nip and tuck. And, um, boy, how do you pick uh, or how do you handicap this one? Maybe it does come down to goaltending. I like Flurry better than Jones at the moment. But Vegas so relentless. And yeah. I don't know if the Sharks have a – have a top line like the one that is clicking the way that the Golden Knights have with Marcia So and Riley Smith and William Carlson, who scored the overtime winner the other night on a beauty of a shot. So that's what makes me lean toward the Knights in this one, but no result in this series will 
surprise me. And story of the year in, in I think, all pro sports. And yeah. if Vegas wins one more round, you're going to start seeing some real attention being paid well, to this because this is unprecedented. Exactly. team even making it this far, right? No, I mean, the, the thing is that it just gets me mad is that, you know, most expansion teams, you know, they, they come in and they basically have the attitude, well, we're just taking the wretched refuse from these other teams and we'll just mm-hmm. go with it. And But no, no, the way that they pick players and the ways that they uh, did their drafting, did their signing, they came in with the mindset, we're going to compete now. We want to play for a cup now. Well, I mean, we are not just going to sit here and take our lumps for two or three years and you got to love the ownership. you got to love the front office. And uh, it is, you're right, it is one of these stories in sports. And what a, a story out in Vegas. Who would have thought that uh, hockey out in the desert, uh, it's certainly, to me, it's already more of a, of a success there than maybe the Arizona uh, uh, Coyotes have ever been as far as just overall, all around, just love of a franchise. Well, it's tough to not support a team that's winning like this. And right. They came out of the gate roaring, even without Flurry. And with the Coyotes, too, to be fair, they were drawing some good crowds and they were playing downtown Yeah, at, uh, I don't know what it's called now, it used to be America West, wherever the Suns play currently. Might be Walking Stick Arena or something like that. But, um, yeah, they were they were a bit of a phenomenon when they moved from Winnipeg in the early, um, or pardon me, the, the late 1990s. But that petered out. They moved down the suburbs. There have been some questionable decisions made out in Arizona, just even away from the hockey side of it, which hasn't been very good. But I always thought, you know, the first pro team into Vegas is going to have a huge leg up. And I know the Oakland Raiders are coming soon, and football is king in this country. But the Raiders are only going to play eight home games a year, maybe nine or or even ten if they're really lucky. But the Golden Knights are a part of the culture now. And uh, with the way that they were there after the the tragedy in October, um, they've been woven in. And they have – it's been a real business – victory for the NHL in that way and I'm just happy because I'm a hockey fan I like to see new people get involved with it and Vegas always had pretty good ratings as well if you look at some of the the non-NHL markets in terms of Stanley Cup finals and playoffs so it's not totally out of the blue but yeah there are parts of it that have taken off to a degree that has surprised me and so many other people. Well Matt great talking talking to with you this afternoon uh if uh, you're not informed, uh, you should be now because I think you and I pretty much covered it all for anyone who's interested <laughs> in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Thanks a lot, Matt. Yeah, unless you want to talk draft lottery, Buffalo no. wins that, but that's about it. Uh, that's, that's true. Yeah, you. Yeah, was, yeah, exactly. Hey, Matt Geica with us is uh, talking a little bit about Stanley Cup playoffs. He, he concentrates on coverage of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but we've kind of covered it all, uh, including uh, games tonight, Tampa Bay at Boston, series tied one game apiece at seven, followed by 10 o'clock, Vegas at San Jose, uh, game four, Golden Knights lead two games to one. Right now, time for a break, bottom of the hour. We'll be back with more. We're going to talk about a new basketball coach at Huntington High School next up on The Drive. Now, back to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Good afternoon. It is about 5.33. I'm Bill Cornwell sitting in for Paul Swan on The Drive on this second day of May 2018. Having an update on that uh, Marshall softball game, it is a final down at the University of Louisville. Marshall loses to the uh, L Cardinals by a score of 13-10. That is the final non-conference game for Marshall. 
uh, this coming uh, season or this coming this season. Marshall will be home this weekend for a Conference USA series at uh, Dot Hicks Field hosting the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. Of course, a reminder, we will have Marshall baseball here on ESPN 94.1 and AM 930 on Friday and throughout the weekend. Marshall will be home at Appalachian Power Park this weekend taking on the Monarchs of Old Dominion in Conference USA action. And the herd is trying its best, working hard, trying to win a few games and maybe sneak in for one of those final spots for the Conference USA Tournament. They only take eight teams in the Conference USA Tournament. Right now the herd is on the outside looking in as far as one of those eight spots. So the herd's uh, last couple of regular season weekends going to try to win some games, put some victories together, and uh, they'll try to make things happen. But uh, Steve Cotton will have all the action right here on ESPN 94.1 AM 930 coming up on Friday night. Heard in Old Dominion. A little bit of news on the um, high school basketball front. Uh, of course, uh, we've had a little bit of coaching news lately. Uh, some of the higher profile uh, high school programs, of course, uh, last week, uh, Ironton uh, officially hired its new football coach. And uh, now Huntington High School has a new boys basketball coach. And you think about the high-profile nature of the Ironton football program and uh, the pride that uh, the folks in Ironton have for fighting Tiger football. Well, there is that same uh, prestige with the Huntington High basketball program for the simple fact you look up in the wall and you look up in the rafters and you look at all the state championship banners up there. That's why. And I'm talking about the new Huntington High. Of course, um, they had the three um, or the four championships in a row during the Patrick Patterson era. Of course, they ended up with the uh, uh, super team with O.J. Mayo and Patrick Patterson and uh, one, one of the top teams in the nation at that time. But even many years after Patterson, O.J. Mayo, Chris Early have gone, this program has continued to rack up state championships, especially under the tutelage of Ron Hess. Well, Ron Hess uh, this past season uh, announced uh, he was stepping down after uh, the uh, Highlanders got knocked out of the state basketball tournament a little earlier than usual this year, and that uh, meant uh, a search for a new coach, and that search ended last night with the Cabell County Board of Education hiring Ty Holmes. Now, Ty Holmes is 40 years old. He was an assistant to former coach Ron Hess. Holmes, a uh, lot, of, lot of experience. Holmes uh, played at the old Huntington High School, graduated in 1996, just before the new Huntington High opened. And uh, Ty later was the head coach Successfully so at Huntington St. Joe. So he brings head coaching experience, and he also worked as an assistant with Huntington Prep. So uh, Ty Holmes, tons of experience. Uh, people in the basketball community here in the Huntington and the Tri-State know uh, Ty quite well. So this is a very popular hiring with uh, folks involved with Huntington Highlander basketball and uh, other folks. But uh, Ty Holmes... Uh, I think we'll do an outstanding job. Now, uh, the folks with the Cabell County Board of Education say that Ty was one of several applicants for this Huntington High job. Because of the success, uh, this Highlander job 
is uh, one that is going to attract some attention. And uh, they say that there were current and former head coaches and assistants who applied, also former college basketball players and middle school coaches. So a lot of folks were interested with Tyler Lincoln High job, and he says that he is going to hold on to the uh, rest of the uh, staff that worked for Ron Hess. And this has been a good uh, staff working together, bringing a lot of success to Huntington High basketball, and that is veteran assistant Steve Freeman and uh, another veteran assistant in uh, Shaq, Tony Shackelford, and Zach Sissel. And they're going to be working with Ty Holmes. Uh, they will be hiring a new freshman coach at Huntington High. But uh, certainly uh, a big challenge for Ty Holmes because uh, Ron Hess led Huntington High to three state championships. Again, after they won four state championships during the Patterson-Mayo era, uh, three titles, 2014, 2015, and 2017. You can sit again up in the rafters on the wall up at Huntington High. They expect to win basketball games, and they expect to uh, be in the hunt every year for state titles. So congratulations to Ty Holmes. Good choice with the Cabell County School Board, and best of luck to Ty as he's the new head man for Huntington High basketball on the men's side. Uh, a little bit of news on the West Virginia basketball front. Of course, West Virginia facing uh, very much the same challenge as Marshall as far as players who have declared for the NBA draft but did not hire an agent. Well, one of those guys has uh, decide, made his decision. Uh, forward Issa Ahmad, who was a junior last year, has decided to withdraw his name from the 2018 NBA draft. As Ahmad says he is returning for his senior season with the Mountaineers. And Ahmad's from Cleveland. He averaged 10.2 points, 5.5 rebounds per game last season as a junior. So he is coming back to uh, play his senior season. That's making Bob Huggins really happy camper. Now, uh, there is one player that West Virginia fans are hoping will be back, but right now there is a good possibility he may not be back, and that is their uh, shot-blocking ace, Sagaba Kanate. Sagaba Kanate certainly showed his um, his strength, his power, when West Virginia and Marshall played in the NCAA tournament out there in San Diego. He was uh, one angry young man, and he showed it on the court as he was um, a beast, blocking shots, rebounding, intimidating. and um, But he is still in that NBA draft protocol. But he did not hire an agent as well, and he has that option to come back to Morgantown should he choose so. Of course, Marshall hoping that that is the case for John Elmore and C.J. Burks, and the decision will be coming in just a few days from those two young men. Do we hire an agent and stay in the NBA draft protocol, or do we decide to come back? Of course, um, everybody's keeping their fingers crossed that C.J. Burks and uh, John Elmore do come back for that last season because uh, it'll really be a, a tough haul for Marshall if they do not come back because so much is expected of this Marshall team. Despite the loss of Ideen Peneva, uh, the shot-blocking junior, who decided, uh, of course, announcing last week that he is – going to step aside, not play his senior year at Marshall, but is going to be staying in uh, preparation for a pro basketball career, be it in the NBA or in his native Europe. Uh, Idem Pinova is going to be a tough loss, but Marshall is trying to make it up with uh, uh, some maybe junior college or uh, uh, some youngsters um, of size 
Of course, they do have Iran Bennett that uh, is going to be bringing some strength inside for the herd this coming season. And um, you certainly hope that uh, maybe uh, Dan D'Antoni and the herd can maybe find a little extra strength, a little extra uh, power to make up for Eideen Penova. There's no way you're going to uh, make up for all those blocked shots and, and just what an unbelievable season and what a talent that Eideen Penova proved to be. Not only was he a great shot blocker, but he improved his rebounding. And, of course, he has that extra ability to handle the basketball for a guy with a wingspan of a 7-1 guy. He also can uh, shoot the ball from anywhere. He has no range, three-point on in. So um, that is going to be lost and uh, certainly uh, will be missed by Marshall fans. But uh, we trust in Dan D'Antoni. We trust in that coaching staff and that they will get things done. Right now, take our final break. Uh, about 10 more minutes left here on the drive. Talk a bit of NBA and uh, catch up with the playoff situation there and give you the updates on baseball this afternoon here on the drive. You're listening to The Drive with Paul Swan on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. About nine minutes before six o'clock here on The Drive with Paul Swan. I'm Bill Cornwell filling in for Paul. Update uh, earlier, we uh, talked about that Marshall was playing softball against Louisville today. And Louisville gets the win over Marshall on the softball diamond down in Louisville, Kentucky by a score of 13-10. Of course, for you Marshall basketball fans, if you weren't with us earlier, a little bit of news. Your um, viewing at the Cam Henderson Center is going to be improved. Marshall announced today the um, adding of a million-dollar video board, a center court video board, uh, high-tech, all-new stuff, for 2018-19, it's been a long time since there's been a center court scoreboard at the Henderson Center. Of course, when they opened the building back in 1981-82, there was a uh, Henderson, there was a uh, up uh, in the roof scoreboard had the message board feature on it. That was pretty high tech at that time, but of course, as the time uh, has gone on, we've added uh, high tech audio, high tech video. And the video board that was in the east end of the Henderson Center really hasn't caught up. So uh, Marshall is doing a nice job of uh, boosting with a million-dollar new video board. Marshall and IMG College making that joint announcement today. And that's really going to add to the atmosphere and to the excitement of Marshall basketball at the Henderson Center. Well, it is an off day for the Cleveland Cavaliers in that um, series with the Toronto Raptors. Eastern Conference semifinals last night. Uh, the Cavaliers get an overtime win by a point over the Raptors, 113-112. And what was unusual, the Raptors led that entire game in regulation or were tied. Cleveland never led in regulation time last night, but they got the job done in overtime, and they did get the one-point win. And uh, they will have game two of that series at Air Canada centered up in Toronto tomorrow evening. Actually, it will get underway at 6 o'clock. Now, tonight there's only one game uh, in the NBA playoffs in the West semifinals. It'll be Utah and Houston getting at it. And that is game two. Houston won game one. Philadelphia and Boston, they play tomorrow night at 8.30 in Boston. And uh, that will be game two of that series. Boston won game one of that series big times. Golden State, they are not 
in action this evening. Uh, the uh, the Warriors, of course, those folks think that uh, you can almost give them uh, another championship, but uh, it's it's going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenge, and uh, certainly the, the Houston Rockets uh, want to prove that they're going to be worthy opponents in that battle for the uh, West Championship in the NBA. Cleveland Cavaliers, a little discussion with them, at least for the time being. They say they're going to stick with Kevin Love as their starting center despite his individual struggles at the position in the postseason. Coach Tyron Lue says they're going to stick with him. He says whatever's good for the team is what we're going to do. I think it spreads the floor out for us. Now, Jonas uh, Valenkunis is going to go to help try to block shots. Kevin's going to have open shots all night. So whatever's best for the team is what we're going to do. In other words, they want to kind of – they would like to draw Valenkunis away from the basket, who is the uh, Toronto center. But uh, he's not going to do that. He's not going to come out and guard on the wing. Love had a rough go of it last night in that 113-112 Win over Toronto in overtime. He started one for eight from the field, finished with only seven points. That is really low, really low for an all-star like Kevin Love. And he was only three for three shooting, three for thirteen shooting. That is, he did have thirteen rebounds, so that's a that's a pretty good night. So at least he had double figures on the rebound front. But uh, uh, scoring wise, that was way low. But uh, Anyway, Cleveland-Toronto will do battle again tomorrow. And, of course, we'll have coverage of that on uh, Cat Sports 93.3 and AM 1340. Of course, we've had Cleveland uh, coverage all the time on our kindred uh, stations, our family of stations. Right now, it's kind of a busy time for us because we have a little bit of Cavaliers. We have a little bit of Pirates going here, a little bit of Marshall Baseball going. So uh, we really do have lots of sports, and we, we throw a little hockey in occasionally. So, uh, But, again, uh, Pirates tonight at 7.05, ESPN 94.1, AM 930, the Pirates doing battle with the Washington Nationals. Let's check the latest from the baseball front. Several finals from this afternoon, and let's hit them first off. Uh, Cleveland Indians got a much-needed win for, over the Texas Rangers by a score of 12-4. to Corey Kluber was on the mound for Cleveland and he had a strong performance, and he gets the win for the Tribe. Other finals from this afternoon, Red Sox beat the Royals by a score of 5-4. to four. It was the Tigers, the winner over the Devil Rays in 12 innings, 3-2. to two. Minnesota Twins shut out the Blue Jays 4-0. Minnesota's been struggling lately, but uh, they got the W. Cardinals edged the White Sox 3-2 to two this afternoon, and it was the Rockies whipping up on the Cubs by a score of 11-2. to Now, one game that is still in action, Bob of the sixth inning out in San Francisco, the Giants, 9-3 leaders over the Padres. Also tonight, uh, the Reds, uh, who are once again struggling after winning a series, actually last week in Minnesota in the weekend. That was their first series win of the year. The Reds are home tonight taking on the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Brewers have won the first two games of that series. The Reds now a sterling 7-win, 23-loss record as the train wreck continues down along the banks of the Ohio. But um, if you're a Reds fan, you just kind of hope someday, maybe someday, we will be competitive once again. 
but that is not the case. And, of course, they're doing the best they can with the, the new management of Jim Riggleman. But um, it is a tough call and a tough sell, to be honest with you, if you are involved with the front office of the Reds trying to get fans to watch this team. And it is not fun. It's, there's probably going to be a lot of empty seats all summer long down at Great American Ballpark, except when they have a certain bobblehead nights, which are biggies. Um, when they have special events down there, they do seem to draw pretty well. But other than that, it's like crickets along the Ohio River. Things just not going real well right now. But again, tonight, got Pirate Baseball. Pirates, and they've been playing so well. First place team in the National League Central. and uh, But this is a good matchup because currently Washington – Favorite once again to win the National League East. They've been a perennial playoff team, but they've never been able to get over the hump. I mean, as much talent, as much success as the Nationals have had over the years, they have not been able to win playoff series. It's almost like they turn off the light when they get into postseason, and uh, that's a big challenge. That's one reason you can say that Dusty Baker's not back with them as manager this year because he was uh, frustrated. The, the entire franchise was frustrated with how things had gone. But uh, should be a good one tonight as Pittsburgh and Washington do battle. We'll have it on ESPN 90.1 and AM 930. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. Talked a lot of sports in this last hour. Thanks to Gabriel Sellers for taking care of the engineering in the old uh, control booth. I'm Bill Cornwell saying so long for the drive. station.